Alrighty, welcome back to The Ferment everyone, uh, very excited to be back in Studio One and in person with a one Ross Brown. How are you today, Ross? Fantastic, thanks. Brilliant to have you on The Ferment in person. And we've also got Dean Carroll, how are you Dean? Good, Harry, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Nice to again be uh, having you on The Ferment and uh, we've got a really exciting episode, gentlemen, to talk about a variety that I think as a company we're pretty excited about, but I'll let you guys sort of give us the full background on that front. We're talking about the Fiano and it's a variety that we've had a couple of years of experience with the winemaker series, but a variety that we think is uh, going to be very, very exciting moving forward. And just a little bit of background on the variety for our listeners before we get started. You know, Fiano is one of the great white wines of Italy and probably... I would say in my experience, uh, looking at the wines of Italy, probably in the top three and especially down in southern Italy, it's very, very highly regarded. And the first mention of the variety was in sort of the 1200s, so it's got a huge amount of history as well. But like a lot of varieties, Phylloxera and the World Wars really decimated Fiano's plantings. They just didn't really come back after the, the, the two World Wars especially. And then like heaps of varieties, there was just someone very passionate about it and decided to replant it and uh, rejuvenate it. So it, it really grew again in the 70s and in 2003 was elevated to DOCG status, so the top level of rating in Italy. In Australia, Coriol made the first Fiano over in McLaren Vale and McLaren Vale's got a really good planting of Fiano now. So a number of producers uh, working with that variety and our first was in 2019. So fledgling for us at this stage but really exciting so Ross I think let's set the scene a little bit for our listeners when it comes to Brown Family Wine Group and unusual varieties what are your early recollections of doing things a little bit differently to other companies? I think when we built the kindergarten this gave us a focus of being able to do small and new grape varieties really really well and we're able to make commercial quantities of new grape varieties. With new grape varieties you need to be able to make the wine to trial it and the kinder gave us that facility of course, there was a generation before that. Uh, my grandfather was planting grape varieties like Mondeuse and Grenache and uh, varieties that have, have continued through history. But at Brown Brothers, uh, this innovation, the capacity to do new and different things has really been part of our culture forever. And Ross, when it comes to new varieties, you know, you've been around the company for many, many years. Was it you know, was it talked about a lot? Was it opportunistic or was it um, something that you've really discussed about, oh, I think we need to target this style, let's plant this variety, or was there just things popping in and out as you were growing as a company? I suppose there was an occasion at Mystic Park when Peter had a very close relationship with a, uh, the head viticulturist and he turned up one day with a whole range of cuttings, which, which included, I think, 20 different grape varieties. And those varieties Peter planted and gave us a cross-section of new grape varieties that we really had no experience with whatsoever. Uh, The capacity to sort of start to think about other flavours. And with new grape varieties, they really only work if there's something new and different and unique about them. And so consequently, trying to find what delivers. And of course, they also relate to different geographical locations. What's going to be really good at Mystic Park is going to be probably dreadful at Bankstale and Bankstale versus Mystic Park, another story. So consequently, it's a long journey to get a new grape variety and then work out uh, where you're going to plant it and then how you're going to manage that vine to get the best results. 
quite often we're drawing on European knowledge and experience in that process. But sadly, this process of bringing new grape varieties to market is quite challenging and takes a big involvement. It's like a tiny little target, that you, <laughs> you know. And the other thing that's really, I think, in even in my time in the last twenty years, that really has said a lot about the timing of bringing a new grape variety to market. You know, like we were some of the early adopters of things like Nebbiolo and Sangiovese and Barbera and these sorts of varieties, but we were probably just ahead of our time. Uh, sometimes 20 years ahead. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if you can have the variety and you can have it in the right climate and you can be making an amazing wine, but if the customers aren't ready for it, you, you're in all sorts of trouble. And so, yeah, it's a challenging space from all avenues. So, Ross, when you were looking at new varieties, was climate change ever in the discussions? I know today, you know, we, we look at that quite solidly with varieties coming forward, but uh, was, was that ever part of the discussions when uh, choosing new varieties? It wasn't about climate change in those days. It was about matching soil and climate to a grape variety, which is almost the reverse of climate change. You're actually trying to manage the grape variety to get its best characteristics. And every grape variety has its own personality. It's the personality we thrive and talk about. And that personality excels in the right location. And it really quite often takes a number of years to get that right. Peter wanted to fast track this when we first started at uh, Whitlands. He actually dug some vines out at Mystic Park and transferred them and planted them at Whitlands so he could quickly get another geographical relationship between ripening of of grapes. So all the way through, it's been about matching soil and climate mm. to get the right flavours. Do you remember how that went, that transportation of vines? Because you don't hear of that happening very often, <laughs> Ross. <laughs> Not many people have a brother called Peter. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, what if people have a brother called Peter? Maybe not that Peter. <laughs> but uh, no, Peter has really thought things through very left field at times. And But uh, no, we got, got some results and we got a relationship between sort of Beaumaya fruit and ripeness and flavours based on the same vines in two geographical locations. Very interesting. And, and Ross, we have been incredibly successful with our unusual varietals and what do you sort of put that down to? Why do people go for Brown Family Wine Group and, you know, are happy to experiment? I think there's been a couple of things. With a new grape variety, you have to believe in it. The grape variety has to bring something new and different to the customer. We've always had such a vibrant cellar door that we've been able to introduce and trial and that trialling at Celador has been the key because people taste at Celador and we've had a number of wines that we've tried at Celador and they just haven't gone anywhere. Mm. But it's quite often, I just remember Tempranillo, everybody smacked their lips and said, oh, it's got so much flavour, so much fruit. And you could almost see the future of that sort of written. Where Nebbiolo, which we spoke about before, it was out of timing, but it was also out of taste for the consumer at that time because all people could taste was tannin. So it's a matter of being able to trial it, get customer feedback and then start to believe in it. And of all the alternative varietals, Ross, and there's been a few over your journey, what would you say is the one that you're most proud of? I still think back to Tarango. The success of Tarango and to be able to take Tarango to the UK market to be one of the largest selling Australian wines in the UK and being able to see a, <clears throat> a light, fleshy, red grape variety grown in Australia, bred in Australia, and to be successful internationally was very, very exciting. And I can't tell you how excited I am now to see Tarango re-emerging. And Ross, you know, we, we could have a whole podcast on Tarango, but we better, we better stick the focus on Fiano. <laughs> what, what's your earliest recollections of hearing about a grape variety Fiano? I was a pretty late learner about Fiano. It was only when Red Bank started to grow, grow it in the King Valley and I tasted some of their early vintages and, and that was, of course, grown next door to our property at Banksdale. 
and I started to realise just how much flavour it had. And from that point onwards, I've been buying Fiano and and uh, getting to like it a great deal. Now, Ross, if I was a fly on the wall in a, a board meeting and the first time Fiano was broached <coughs> as a potential varietal for us here at Brown Family Wine Group, what would have the conversations been? Was it positive, negative? Well, we had little choice because the CEO really <laughs> championed this grape variety. <laughs> and when the CEO is championing it, and with every new grape variety, you need a champion. So we had a wine that was unique in flavour, a champion for it. So it was a pretty easy sell at board level, those ingredients. <laughs> and, and, and so, Dean, well, it's a nice little segue over to you, Dean. And did you bring in a heap of Fiano to say, you know, look, these are the ones that I think that are fantastic and you should have a taste of? Or how, how did that conversation go? No, I should have done. Yeah. It would have been a much better way to do it, I think. <laughs> no, very, it was very much, you know, we spent a, a lot of time thinking about the future, the business, and, and you know, thinking two years in, in the board meetings, two years, five years, ten years into the future. And we often have the conversations from a board level, the challenge has always been, well, what's the next Prosecco? Because Prosecco's been such a great success for us. Mm. So, yeah, that's where it started, it about around what are we looking for, what's next, and Fiano then became a bit of a, uh, a hero to my thinking about what the potential it has in, in not just this market but, but all markets and that's where it started. And for you, Dean, like if you're the champion of the variety for Brown Family Wine Group, when yeah. did it first come onto your radar? Why did you get so excited about it? I was lucky, I suppose. I, I, the first time I saw it was in a place called Taimina, which is in Sicily. And, you know, on your own holidays and you're travelling around and you're looking out over the blue sky in a foreign country, you, whatever you taste almost just creates the moment that you're in and you say, oh, that was great, no matter what it was. But I, that was my first experience with Fiano because, as you said earlier, it's the, you know, the southern Italy is where it's, where it's renowned for. So, and I remember drinking and thinking, oh, this is a lovely wine. And then I saw it more as I travelled around Italy. And then when I came back to us, back in Australia, I used to work for Tucker Seabrook and we used to distribute Coriol. And Coriol was one of the initial planters of Fiano. And I remember a conversation with Mark Lloyd from him talking about you know, the potential he thought that, Fiano was there. So that's you know, that's going back 16, 17 years, I would have thought. Yeah, I think their first was early 2000s. So yeah. yeah, so it's, so it's years. quite a while ago. But the, again, every time I've tried the variety, just the appeal, was, as Ross said, the, the flavour and the, the fit. And, you know, it's a really simplistic view, but it's, it's so easy to drink. It's so easy to say. It's got tremendous appeal. With all of these sort of exciting things in mind... You've obviously got a bit of an idea of what the commitment from the company will be to Fiano moving forward. Do you want to give our listeners a bit of an insight into that? The first step in that, I suppose, is to look at what we can do. And obviously, Winemaker Series is the first step in that. And just to show that what, we, what our winemaking team can do with it. But the, the, the other big initiative is to actually invest some skin in the game. And that we've done at Mystic Park by planting three hectares um, of Fiano up there. And that'll, that'll lead us into 100,000 bottles plus and in the upcoming 12 months we have the potential to produce and then continue on from there so we've got investment in the game we've planted varieties we know from a great variety perspective it's great to be able to have a, a variety that meets the climate of mystic park that's a dry exciting white wine variety and obviously we do a lot of the, the fruitier styles from up there but to have fiano that, that that's at home in a warm climate at home in, in dry environment is, is great for that vineyard and shows you know, it's going to work for us in terms of in terms of our ability to really make, to have a great source for Fiano into the future. And that leads excitingly into other price points that we can bring Fiano into, um, other styles we can make, give the winemakers a bit of flexibility and potentially having two different varieties and a bit of scale within the, within the Fiano variety. 
the things that we will cover off on this podcast around, you know, the technical analysis that you get with Fiano in a warm climate like Mystic Park are quite incredible. You know, not only is it going to give us confidence with a variety moving forward if climate change really goes pear-shaped for, for, you know, the environment, it's a variety that we can be really confident in that'll be at Mystic Park for many, many years and we don't have to move and we don't have to change and we can really bank behind a variety like this they give us some sort of security and longevity there that really ticks a lot of boxes and i think it's pretty amazing to be growing that grape variety at mystic park and pretty generous yields and i just saw a gold medal in one of the national shows last week so you know to be able to be growing gold medal wine in a, a warm climate proves we've just got the grape growing in the right place yeah absolutely now dean and ross if you had a crystal ball where do you see Fiano in five years' time or even ten years' time? Dean, I might go to you first. Where do you see it? Well, I, I see it being the potential to be our number one dry white wine. I really think it's that got that bigger opportunity into the future. So you think of our portfolio now, I can agree, Grigio has, has certainly got that space from a dry perspective. And I, I always think back to the to you know, Ross done a great job of a heroing Prosecco and being able to start at a really low number and say, okay, it could be 10% of sparkling and what does that look like? And that's the sort of work that we're doing at the minute to say what the size of the prize could be in this space. But also remember many, many days I was back in the sales side then when we, were, when we were driving Prosecco and I think we were we were buy one, get one free in the on-premise and there was multiple sales meetings I sat in where people said, this isn't going to get there. But the commitment we had, the vision that Ross had at the time, it's going to take time. It's not going to be an easy sell. I know there's you know, challenges getting distribution in the early stages now. But these things take time and commitment and the fundamental basis to it has to be trial and distribution. We just have to get it in people's mouths and having those two styles now with Winemaker Series and Origins will just enable us to, to really ensure that we're getting that taste profile out there across a variety of different channels and, and to a variety of different consumers. Mm. And Ross, any thoughts on for you where, where you think Fiano will be? I see there's almost parallel between Pinot Grigio and Fiano in terms of where we can get it to. And Pinot Grigio is pretty widely grown now. Uh, we've got a bit more ownership of Fiano, and mm. so we can probably grow that as being one of our specialties that uh, we can own rather than be part of a, uh, a market share. And so it's got all the right ingredients, it's got all the right credentials, and the customers are always seeking something new and different and there's been very little exciting new white wines in the last 10 years and I think Fiano could play that role. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thank you so much, gents, for your time and giving us your insights into Fiano. I think if we've got this sort of support from the, the board and from the, the family and the, the CEO, we're, we're going to be driving very, very hard to make Fiano a success and I can't see any reason why it won't be. So thanks for your time. Cheers. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. All right, that was brilliant. And so we know that we've got some terrific support from the company perspective. So let's maybe delve into how we're going to bring this to life from a marketing perspective. So I've got Ellie Vince with me, Chief Marketing Executive at Brown Family Wine Group. So how are you today, Ellie? I'm great, Harry. Thanks for having me along. That's good. And I guess the first question we need to know is when did you first hear about a grape variety or a wine called Fiano? Challenging question, Harry. Fiano, I reckon Dean probably first introduced me to Fiano and through Brown Family Wine Group in early experimentation. 
And I think like a lot of people will be on that same thing because Fiano is not a massive variety in Australia. Not yet, not until we get going. So, right. <laughs> um, But yeah, as, as a great variety, it's a, it's a pretty exciting one. So I thought it'd be great to get your thoughts on Fiano from a marketing perspective and how we're going to bring especially the new Origin Series to life. So in launching the Origin Series, Fiano, what do you think the occasions are going to be that uh, people will most be suited to with this new, new wine in our portfolio? I think it's a really interesting varietal, uh, Harry, and I think it delivers to quite a few occasions from a consumer point of view. But I think one of the things that we're really noticing in market is that Sauvignon Blanc over the last couple of years has really come off and therefore this real opportunity to bring another varietal that can come and deliver against that kind of easy drinking occasion that Sauvignon Blanc delivered against so well. Now, there are a number of different varietals in market that are doing that at the moment. So Pinot Grigio has naturally kind of picked up into that space. But Fiano, I think, can equally deliver against it. So a really fresh, easy drinking style, perfect for afternoons, perfect for pre-dinner drinks, a really versatile varietal that I think will do really well against a number of different occasions uh, in the market. And grown in Australia. So people, people, we need to be more parochial people, support a great, Australia. <laughs> a great Australian story that sits yeah. behind it as well. Yeah, That's absolutely. Absolutely right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. From a marketing perspective, who do you think the target audience for the Brown Brothers Origins Fiano will be? Again, I think it's really versatile. So I think there's a broad audience that this will reach. Ultimately, it's going to end up being what we would call engaged explorers or people that are in the wine market already and that are keen to experiment and trial different kinds of varietals. So people that are already drinking things like Pinot Grigio and keen to pick up and try something new. So what are the marketing areas we're going to focus on to ensure this varietal gets traction in the Australian wider market? I think trying to get traction on a new varietal ends up being a a bit of a slow burn. It's not the kind of thing that you go and invest a heap of media money behind and, and grow awareness of. I think ultimately people need to be reminded of it through consistency. So really our strategy in the early days is going to be twofold. I think sampling plays a really key role and you hear Dean talk quite a lot about sampling but the more that we can get this varietal out, the more that we can get a, a number of different people trialling it, that's going to be absolutely key. So that will play a big part and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. The other part around it is really credibility. So how do we get credible sources talking about Fiano and really embedding that in kind of the wine category information that's coming through? So both from a PR recommendation perspective, but then also through kind of more credible wine sources. So PR will play a big a big role for us, as well as award show entry and just making sure that we're getting the accolades that sit around it. Uh, go Joel and the winemaking team. <laughs> and then obviously that trial component that I talked about before. So with trial, we've got a, a number of different things happening. So we're at the moment just involved in the Good Food and Wine Show, which has been tracking really well. Harry, I think that you've been... Yeah, Part of yeah, that one? yeah. We had the Fiano up in uh, Perth just recently, and like you said, like it was, it, not many people know about the variety, so it was a little bit of a slower burn. But we ended up selling out of everything that we took to the to the wine show of Fiano. So by the end of the show, people were really interested in it and excited by the taste profile. So enough so that we we sold out of what we had there. And I think that's awesome. I think the more consumer feedback that we can get, obviously, the better. That really drives that peer recommendation too. So Good Food and Wine Show, we've got a 200ml sample uh, bottle that we'll be launching at the same time as the Origins 750ml, a great way of just being able to drive, whether it's gift with purchase, activity in store, uh, or sampling via sponsorships, etc., and just getting product out there. We'll have on-premise activity, another great sampling program that we can do, particularly when we've got to focus on uh, wine by the glass, and, and again, just driving that trial with people. And then obviously cellar doors play a really important role. So just the same as you being out there talking to consumers through in Perth, 
Uh, we'll have the cellar door team that will be really pushing Fiano and just making sure that everybody that comes into door through cellar door uh, gets to trial this awesome new varietal, both through winemakers series as well as origin series. I think the Origin series will play a really interesting part at the cellar door because it's one of those wine styles that whether you like sweet wines or dry wines, you can enjoy the Fiano. And so it could be a really great wine to just kick people off a tasting with. You know, say, oh, here, try the Fiano. And they say, oh, look, I think I find that a little bit too dry. Okay, we can take the tasting this way. Or I find it a little bit too sweet. Okay, we can take the tasting this way. It's a really nice place where it's not too overpowering in any sort of particular flavour so it'd be a great one for cellar door to really push I think. Yeah I think it's good it's a bit of a crowd pleaser and a, a conversation starter. All right so Ellie if all of this comes to fruition and we start to get some traction how big do you think Fiano could be from a I guess a Brown family wine group perspective but also in the broader Australian market? I think it's got huge potential Harry and I think we've done a couple of different forecasts out over the next couple of years And it's not just a varietal that will do well domestically. So we've definitely had conversations with Bruno around how far can we take this through the export markets too. I know he's keen, particularly on the UK, from a priority point of view, when we start looking at different markets that we sell wine into. I think this could easily be worth a couple of million dollars in the next couple of years. So what we really need to do is is just get everybody behind it from a business point of view and it just comes back to sampling for me. Trial as many people as we possibly can, uh, build those distributions out in the field uh, and then let's see, um, you know, the, the consumer offtake off the back of that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brilliant. Well, thank you, Ellie. And uh, that gives us a bit of a background from a marketing perspective and we might uh, jump over and see what Shane's got for us from the sales team point of view. Good one. Cheers, Harry. All right, so it's over to Shane Bullis. How are you today, Shane? Very well, thank you, Harry. How are you? Oh, well, well, welcome to the ferment, your first appearance. It's my first appearance. I've avoided it up until now. I thought it was uh, it was visual and audio, and I've, <laughs> I've got a head for radio, so... Uh, it's a perfect uh, forum. It is a perfect <laughs> forum for me. Uh, very good. Now, Shane, we're talking all things Fiano today. When do you think the first time was that you heard about a great variety called Fiano? I think for me, probably a couple of years back, and we've heard that more and more and more over the last couple of years, I think. Uh, so it was a Brown Brothers thing? was a Brown Brothers thing, yeah. Yep. Certainly here is the first time I heard about Fiano. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's probably almost right across the board of the people that I've spoken to. Probably Simon, our winemaker, is a little bit different. And yeah, it's relatively new in, in the space here, but yeah, exciting variety. Now, mate, from a sales perspective, what sort of support are we going to be giving our team over the next sort of six to 12 months to work with the Fiano grape variety? Yeah, I think we've got uh, clearly a lot of varietal understanding. We do 50,000 calls a year in the sales team across the uh, across the country. So we've already had some initial success, of course, with Winemaker Series. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing us go into Origins. So... Pretty exciting time for us as we go to a much broader footprint with Fiano. Mm. And uh, through trade marketing and through the category team, we'll have a lot of support for the team across that. You've obviously broached the idea of Fiano with some of our bigger customers, you know, Endeavour and, and, and Coles. What's the feedback been from those guys? Yeah, that, I think those customers, because we are known as the innovators and we're market leaders and they've seen us start a lot of trends, I think they've been looking for us to come up with what is the next white wine varietal. So they're excited that we're talking about Fiano. We are going to see Fiano in the Endeavour group. We're going to see Fiano in the independent channel and we're working on coals as, as we speak. So. 
I'm sure they'll come around. They will. Yeah, we'll just have to get it down their throats. And yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Might be a, a, an Oyster and Fiano night with the Coles executives and we'll, we'll see if we can get them over the line that uh, way. <laughs> absolutely. And I think you're right there that that's a, that is a, a key piece with Fiano, that uh, tasting the varietal, because it's it's not a polarising varietal. 9.9 out of 10 people like the varietal, right? Now, I was trying to rack my brain around Fiano in New Zealand, and I don't think I can think of a producer of that variety. You know, maybe there's one there, but it might be really small volumes, but... I, I've never seen one. Are we sort of pitching Fiano into New Zealand in the early stages? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, we're probably not in this first stage because we want to make sure we've got enough supply for what we drive here in the domestic market. Fiano is an interesting one because it could take from Sauvignon Blanc if you think about it. So uh, maybe New Zealand they'll see us coming and uh, maybe not want us to break into that market. <laughs> Some sort of container hold-up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, certainly we'll use the domestic markers as a real understanding of the success we get out of Fiano, looking at supply, making sure that we can continue supply, and then we'll bolt New Zealand onto that. <laughs> so, so if we see containers going to New Zealand, we'll know something's gone wrong domestically, is that it? That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Shane, what do you feel like or what do you think's going to be the avenue of Fiano over the next sort of, say, three to five years? Yeah, I think, as I said before, Trial and getting the product into consumers' hands is going to be a big part of growing this varietal. Dean's always talks about trial, trial, trial for our portfolio because our taste profile is so solid. And I think Fiano for us is going to, uh, it's going to be one of those ones that it could be our next big Prosecco and that's, that's what we hope it to be. I think a consolidated trial program across the country is going to see us get the feedback that we want and, and grow it to the next level. It's sort of one of those things where, you know, it, it might tick along for a few years and you just don't know or it might explode. So we, we'll have to sort of work with those teething issues in these early years for sure. Yeah, and that's the trick. I mean, when you do have a new varietal or an emerging varietal, if it explodes and goes well beyond your expectations, you're going to have supply issues. Uh, if it doesn't move as fast as you like and you've made too much wine, but that's the challenges of the wine industry for sure, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, Shane, that's been terrific to get your take on the sales perspective and, and Fiano, uh, exciting opportunity, and we, we look forward to seeing how it's going to go in the future. Thanks, mate. Okay. Thanks, Harry. Wow, that's fantastic. So it's, it's brilliant to hear that we've got support from the company. We've got some marketing support. We've got sales support. But I tell you what, if the wines don't taste any good, uh, where are we going to be? So I've brought in Simon McMillan, our winemaker here that looks after Fiano. And uh, Simon's going to have a bit of a chat through. How are you today, Simon? Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Harry. It's good to be on the podcast today. And Simon's very, very efficiently has told me he's going on holiday soon. So we had to quickly get this in. So thank <laughs> you for that as well. Now, mate, we've got two Fianos uh, coming into our portfolio moving forward. And it'd be great for our listeners at The Ferment to get a feel for your objectives and your thoughts on the styles to differentiate the Origins Fiano from the Winemaker series. Yeah, well, just to sort of cover off, Fiano is a great variety that it really represents the place where it's grown. So we've got two distinct areas where the fruit's coming from. So we've got the Murray Valley and also the King Valley. And the climate plays a big role in the style that we're going to make there. So from the, the warmer climate, Murray Valley, we find we have the balance in the fruit at a lower sort of potential alcohol. 
So have the flavours, the acidity, the alcohol, all in balance, around about that sort of 12, 12.5% alcohol. For the King Valley, it's a much more of a cooler climate. It's from the Mount Bellevue Vineyard, so it's roughly 600 metres altitude. It's grown in sort of volcanic red soil, and this is very similar to um, where you can find Fiano grown in Campania in Italy. Mm. Yeah, because Campania is quite an interesting region. Like you've got the low-lying areas, but you've also got those sort of upper higher altitude sites as well. And I always sort of was a bit concerned when we went to the Murray Valley because, you know, it's generally the higher altitude sites that give you the better quality products. But, you know, we're seeing fantastic quality out of the Murray Valley. 100%. If anything, the Mount Bellevue site could be a little marginal, could be too cool, Mm. because we want to get that balance between the acidity and the alcohol, and we find... We're waiting for that acidity to drop down and the your sugar level's creeping up and you've got to get it just the right time, otherwise you're going to end up with something with over 14% alcohol which will be out of balance. So it's just about getting that, picking at the right time, at the right moment, so we've got the, the balance of the flavour. So the you mentioned with uh, our Murray Valley site, we're picking at around 12, 12 and a half. So what does it end up having to be to get the acidity level down to a manageable sort of level? Well, we're picking at textbook numbers where they're just beautiful coming in. Like the flavours are all there, but we're looking at, you know, just around about 12 sort of Bome when we're picking. The pH is probably 3.3 and the TA is like 8 or 9 grams per litre, um, which is unheard of for white grape varieties yeah. grown in the Murray Valley. So we're not adding any acid to any of these Fianos and it's, they're all just perfectly grown for us. And so if, if you flip that to Mount Bellevue up in the, the King Valley, and, and for those that aren't aware, that's we can see that from our Banksdale Vineyard site, but it's just a bit further up in, in, in right. altitude. What are the specs there? So we're picking oh, around about 13 Bome, so it's, it normally ends up around 13.5% alcohol. Um, once again, it's got that same level as, of acidity, so like a 3.3 pH, the TA, like 9 or 10 TA, what we're <laughs> starting with. So it's just really nice, crisp, natural acidity running through the Fiano. And if, if you did a comparison to a, like a sparkling base wine, what would the TA be of something like that when we pick? Uh, sparkling base is normally around a TA of about 10, 9 or 10, or yep. in that sort of zone. So if, if we were picking... Um, this for sparkling base at the same sort of Bome, which is around sort of 11 Bome, the, the acid would be double that. Yeah. Maybe you're probably looking at 20 <laughs> grams per litre. So It's quite incredible, isn't it, that, yeah. uh, that there is a, a grape variety that can just retain that much acidity and be fully ripe. It's uh, very, very exciting. So, yeah, <laughs> well, that I mean, it just paints a fantastic picture of the two vineyards and how differentiated they are. I mean, not only from the flavour perspective, but also from the, the statistical ones as well. So we've got the two styles. What are some of the winemaking differences that will help you achieve the, the you know, the origins giving some sort of different flavour and taste profile to the winemaker sure. series? So what we've been doing over the last few years is just uh, trialling different techniques. We've been trialling different uh, yeast strains. So some yeast will want to push more sort of citrus flavours, some more tropicals in India thiols like passion fruit. We're also about building texture into these wines. So we've been doing a little bit of work with extended juice contact with the solids to try and bring in a bit of weight. We're also doing a little bit of barrel fermentation, some batonage, um, and also trialling some MLF just to lower that acidity. So we're trying trialling those across the board, but to differentiate between the two, I think the main difference is we're putting slightly more into barrel for the winemaker's series. 
The reason is with the origins, it's all about that primary fruit, the freshness and those citrus sort of characters. And then with the, the winemaker series, we want to build in some more complexity, more texture, added weight. So that's where we're bringing in a little bit more oak character. We're only using older barrels. We don't want that new oak influence. Uh, but it's all about that lees contact and the texture that we're building into these into these wines. And we, we better quickly cover off because our ferment listeners aren't all in the sales team and marketing team and might understand the term batonage and also MLF. So <laughs> you might just quickly explain what those two things are for us, Simon. Okay, no worries, Harry. So your batonage is where we're stirring the lees in barrel. What that does, that increases the, the contact of the lees with the wine that's there. So it gives you some more, some creaminess, some weight and some of those yeasty autolysis characters. And MLF is malolactic fermentation. So that's where we're utilising bacteria to convert the uh, malic acid. So this Fiona is very high in malic acid, and we convert that into lactic acid, which is much softer. Um, so we're just trying that just a l- in small portions just to see how that adds to the character of the wine. And both techniques that are used in Chardonnay quite often to build in that weight and richness and texture Correct. through those as well. So yeah, very, very interesting. All right. So if you had to describe the differences between the origins, so and we're talking 2022 vintage here because that's when we're going to have apples for apples to compare. What would you say the differences are in the flavour profile of the Origins Fiano versus Winemaker series? So the Origin series, it's medium bodied it's mainly citrus driven. There is a hint of passion fruit through there as well. Really good natural acidity. And there's also a bit of texture that we've built into it. To contrast it to the Winemaker series, it's slightly higher alcohol. There's more richness, more texture, and a little bit more complexity in there. It's, it's sort of a little bit like, you know, a Grigio versus Gris. 100%. That, that's what I tell people, you know, the difference between them. Often Pinot Gris is grown in sort of cooler areas. It's more sort of rich and luscious. Um, so if you're into Pinot Gris, you sort of might prefer to have the winemaker series. If you prefer Pinot Grigio, well, the Origins is probably the style for you. Absolutely. And what do you think are the key attributes that are going to give Fiano traction in the market? I think the first thing is Fiano is easy to say. We see a lot of <laughs> great varieties. and like, Certainly helps. <laughs> like a Gewurztraminer or, or yeah, whatever's yeah. coming through. And that, that's very important. You've got to be able to say it. The, your customer needs to, you know, or consumer, it's got to be easy to say. I think it's just a delicious drink, first and foremost. There are some Sauvignon Blanc cues in there. We're finding there's some of those thiols. So uh, perhaps the people who are used to drinking Sauvignon Blanc, we can convert those into Fiano drinkers. It's also great with food. The origins, we can see that's going to be great with seafood. Winemaker series, I enjoy drinking that with some Korean barbecue pork. It stands oh. up really well for, um, with spicy dishes. Nice. Yeah, just a great all-round sort of food wine. Just on the pronunciation thing, I, I was just over at the Perth Good Food and Wine Show this weekend, just gone, and someone called one of our wines the Dolce and Sylvia. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's about as incorrect as you could get it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Fiano, should, we shouldn't yeah, have as much okay. <laughs> challenges <laughs> yeah. with Fiano. Yeah. All right, Simon, that's brilliant. Thanks so much for those understandings of the winemaking. And look, let's get behind the Fiano, everyone. We're so excited about it. And yeah, it's going to be terrific moving forward. Excellent. Thanks to have me in here, Harry, and we can't wait to get the 2022 Fianos into bottle. So there you have it, everyone. The 2022 Origins Fiano and Winemaker Series Fiano will be on market a little bit later this year, and we are just so excited about this variety as a company and can't wait to get it in the hot little hands of our sales team and see how you go getting it into our customers' stores and restaurants. So thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you on the next Ferment. 
How good was that, everyone? If you have any feedback for us at The Ferment, please send us an email, theferment at brownfwg.com.au. Also, don't forget to check out our Tasting Note podcast. Thanks for listening to The Ferment, everyone. Stay safe out there, chase hard, look out for each other.